0: Hello, my loves and welcome to another episode of the queer magic podcast i'm your host luis cornejo a licensed married and family therapist in the state of california co-owner of psychosocial therapy where i specialize in bipoc queer mental health and sex therapy and today i have a very special guest who i'm gonna let introduce themselves and also uh, our topic
1: Hi everyone, I'm Aviel Zayas and I am a therapist in um, New Jersey and New York, I licensed in both. And I also specialize in working with BIPOC queer folks. And today we're going to be talking about coming out later in life. So our late bloomer queers.
0: Thank you so much for introducing the topic and a little bit about yourself. I consider myself a late bloomer queer, so I think this is going to be a really great conversation for all those folks out there who are just starting to explore their identity and coming into queerness, uh, but also those folks who uh, maybe didn't feel safe to do that before but are now really in a space where they can do that. And so I think it's so important for us to Mm -hmm. share our stories and talk a little bit about our own experiences because I think it resonates. not only with folks who are on similar paths, but also because it's nice to be able to hear uh you know how other people navigate and also uh grow right through this process. So tell us a little bit about your story, uh, you know, and, and in terms of like being a late bloomer and queerness and uh yeah, anything you want to share with, with our listeners.
1: Yeah, so You know, when I look back at my life, I can see, oh, this was more of a crush, less than a friend situation. Um, Mm -hmm. But I didn't really start thinking about that until I moved out to New York um, Mm -hmm. for grad Mm -hmm. school. So, uh, at that point, let's see, I was 20, turning 21, um, and... Like, you know, I'm just in New York walking around seeing all these people and I'm like, oh, wow, you know?
0: <laughs> right, yeah, all that and, freedom, right? That new being in a new place and having new opportunities and stuff. Being on your own, I think it definitely yeah. does allow for more exploration.
1: Definitely. And, you know, I wasn't in the same place that I grew up. My parents weren't there. So that freedom was there for sure. And at the time I was with someone I was with a partner and so I kind of wasn't fully able to explore it yet but I was able to talk to my partner about it of like hey like I'm starting to like have these feelings and I'm not really sure what it's about but like they're there mm-hmm. and um, then you know that partner and I broke up And, um, you know, I was single for a while, and so I did some exploring at that point, but I was like, oh, like, I'm not, I'm still not really sure, you know, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I'm exploring, but I was finding it kind of difficult to, um, I guess, find spaces for me Mm -hmm. to do that, and so then I got into another relationship, and then oh, once me that actually, relationship-
0: ends. Let me ask you, sorry, I yeah. didn't mean to interrupt you, but you, meant the, you, you mentioned the spaces and I think that's something really, really mm-hmm. uh, important to mention, right? Because I think when we first come out, many of us, we start with sexuality, right? And sexuality is one part yeah. of identity. And so we start to kind of discover who we're sexually attracted to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all of those kinds of things and how we identify. Uh, and so that's usually the first part, right? And I mean, queerness, I know with queerness, when we talk about that word, uh, I just want to clarify for everyone you know we're talking about really multiple things right not just our sexuality but our gender uh expression identity i mean so many pieces to that and you mentioned spaces right to to not being able to find Mm -hmm. as many spaces and i know that that's hard for a lot of us right when we're first coming out and trying to figure out who we are Finding yeah. places where we can feel safe to do it. So, could you tell me a little bit more about that? When you say like spaces, what were some of the things that you found really hard about, um, you know, connecting or finding those kinds of spaces?
1: I just, I had no idea where to go, mm-hmm. you know, who I could turn to. Um, I, at that time, I only had one. Friend that was queer, mm-hmm. um, and he's a gay man. So the spaces for gay men are very particular in New York. I don't know if it's that way in other places too, but in New I York, I was like when you said exactly that I was nodding because like... I was
0: like, it kind of yeah. I think it kind of is a little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, gay space. No, and, and I'm being honest because I think spaces for gay men are not. They're not the, generally automatically the same for queer folks, right? I mean, in all forms, right? I mean, they can be very specific, and also very much rooted and still in a lot of heteronormative kind of ideals, right, and ideologies, uh, especially with men, right? And so, no, thank you for saying that. I I, I think uh, it might be safe to say that, yes, a lot of gay men's spaces are generally not uh, the same as or equal to, like, saying, like, queer spaces.
1: Right. So, um, you know, that friend had suggested a certain dating app. And so I got on there and I met someone through there and it was a nice connection, but I think, um, it just, that specific person was not really the person for me to really explore with. Um, and because I was like in this mode of like, Oh, like I just need to like figure out if this even is like, true, right? Like, I'm trying to see are my feelings true? Is this real? Um, do I actually feel this way or is it like a fantasy of something?
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I had that experience and it just didn't really hit how I needed it to for me to be like, yes, like this is really it for me. Um, and so I, I, you know, went back to dating um, and got into a relationship with a cis man. And after that relationship ended, I really gave myself a lot more time and space to figure it out and to take it more slowly. I think the first time around, I was really like, just, I I was like, oh, like, I just want to hop in and like, I really need to figure this out. And this time around, I was like, more accepting that it is real and that I can take my time with it. And that I, it doesn't mean that I need to have every single thing figured out, but that my attraction for people that are not cis men is there. Um, and yeah, go ahead. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. No, I was just going to say, And I think that's such an important part of this process, right? Is knowing that we don't have to know everything. Right, That we're not going to mm-hmm. have all the answers automatically, that it is part of exploration and that it takes time, right? Because I, I think I felt very similarly as well. When I first came out and I was starting to explore myself, I felt like i needed get to know all of these things. And there was a, a sense of shame and also guilt for not knowing mm-hmm. or for being sometimes confused yeah. about What I was feeling, uh, who I was attracted to, how I even spoke to myself, the words that I used to identify myself, uh, learning, right, that some things didn't sit well with certain people and it did with others, and learning how to navigate that and also create space to uh, be able to include everyone. um, And also, being accountable right, for those mistakes as well and learning from them. Uh, I definitely know I struggled at first really just trying to figure out like, how do I uh, you know, identify myself, but also respect others and not question people's own mm-hmm. experiences and perspectives when they're different from mine or me trying to project my own or, or taking on their Uh, A journey onto my own, you know, and so I think it it was definitely challenging. And so I I really appreciate you sharing how there, you know, that 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 can definitely be a part of this process, right? Is some, some of the feelings uh, of confusion or some of the feelings around not knowing or even some of the shame that comes with that. uh, When we're learning about ourselves. Uh, and, you know, when we're talking about late, late bloomers, usually by that time, I mean, we've gone through so much already, experiences, relationships, connections, things that we've mm-hmm. learned from society, from our family, uh, that it, it, I think it also requires a lot of unlearning, right? And letting go of some of those things that we kind of carried along for so long uh, right. to that point where we're like, oh shit, this does not align or fit anymore. Like, ah, what do I do now?
1: yeah definitely and another part too is like uh relationships between men and women there's a certain script for all of it it's really laid out and it makes it easy in a way to Mm -hmm. have that kind of relationship right because there's this whole plan whether you and your partner discuss it it's there and so um in trying to date queer people like that plan is no longer there and things (laughs) felt really just like really uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. uncertain and unsure and just like I didn't know really how to like manage them because i no longer had this script to go off of so like what do i do now
0: (laughs) yes the blueprint right that it's it because we all have that right i mean we live in in a in a heteronormative society right where things are set up for a certain group of folks, right? Cisgendered folks who are heterosexual. I mean, there's a blueprint, right? You you, you get little crushes, you grow up, you find a partner, you get married, you have kids, you get the house, and that's the blueprint, right? And for a lot of uh, us queer folks, uh, not only is there not a blueprint, but we learn about so many different types and versions of relationships and connections and experiences that it's often a little scary because mm-hmm. there's so much unknown that comes with it, right? It, unlike many cisgender uh, heterosexual folks who kind of have this like recipe, we don't have that. And we also don't often have a lot of modeling around queer relationships. And so it can be pretty uh, intense to kind of be presented with this endless possibilities kind of experience right? or, or proposal to life of like, well, What do you want? And most of us are kind of like, like, I don't really even know myself. I'm still trying to figure that out Uh, or I'm still trying to understand relationships with other queer folks uh, that are not defined by this very specific heteronormative uh, blueprint. You know, and so I think that's also a a very important element of this. And for a lot of late bloomers, uh, you know, they come into this and like I said, already have a lot of of internalized ideas based on societal norms. And so uh, it's kind of scary right later on in life to be like, oh, shoot, like this is actually not who I am. And I'm ready to find myself, be myself. And where do I start? how do I do that? Right. Because I know for me and my work, one of the things, and I wanted to mention to you, I don't know if you've had this experience, but one of the things that I've seen a lot is uh, folks who are already in relationships have families and they're finally coming to a place where they're like, you know what, I'm actually queer. And this is not what I thought. Like I, I knew, but I also didn't really know. And now it's coming to a place where I really need to find myself. And there's, I mean, a real struggle there. I mean, have have you had that experience with with folks or clients or anyone in your circle?
1: Yeah, I haven't had that experience yet with my clients. Most of my clients are um, either, you know, already in queer relationships or Mm. they're single and they're exploring this.
0: Okay. And, and how is that yeah. different? How do you think in terms of like folks who are already in queer relationships and exploring? What are some of the things that come up uh, with your clients, or, or I mean, things that you specialize in with them, or, or that you really like working on?
1: Yeah, um, there's a lot of you know talk about boundaries. That's mm-hmm. huge in my work, mm-hmm. um, and so in when I with my clients that are in relationships and they're maybe exploring their gender, right? So maybe the maybe they know that they're gay or lesbian, but now they're starting to explore their gender more and figuring out what their gender expression is or if there are other pronouns that maybe feel better for them. Um, and it's really just having conversations and testing things out together. That's like a huge thing of like, you know, we might try that in session, Or I'll encourage them to, you know, talk to a friend so that they can hear their friends talking to them with those pronouns and seeing if that's a good fit or, you know, just buying a a shirt that maybe doesn't fit the style that they had before, but they're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out if this, you know, a more masculine or more feminine way of dressing fits them more.
0: And I love that because that goes back to what we're talking about, right? About the late bloomers and really finding, uh, uh, finding comfort right within these different types of identities you even mentioned clothing that's a big one that comes up for me with a lot of clients where they're starting to really explore and they don't really have a direction of where do i go what do i where do i start you know a lot of clothing is very gendered and so very specific right certain sizes all of this stuff certain colors and so something that i've done uh that i really love is i started to compile a list of places where i shop or where i get clothing that's you know not just inclusive but also uh for non-binary folks or gender expressive folks, uh, and I love it because it's a, it's such a fun part as well of this process. It's not just you know the 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 processing trauma or working through Mm -hmm. the challenges like we were just talking about for the first half of this episode but also the joys right and really experimenting like you were saying how how do these pronouns feel for me right do they feel more aligned with who i am how do these clothes fit me right do they feel more comfortable and uh more authentic for me uh you know and doing some of these great things where clients get to also be creative uh and Mm -hmm. and um think about these things right that maybe they didn't think about before uh, because they didn't really have an opportunity to
1: right definitely yeah um, yeah let's see what what else are we talking about here? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. No, no. So uh, We're going back to you. You mentioned some of your relationships as well, right? I know we skipped a little bit ahead, yeah. but I think this is all great because it is a big uh, a big complex and also multifaceted process, right? Where it's, it, I think it shows mm-hmm. up in different parts of our lives, even the work we do, our own experiences uh, and, and in general, right? A, a lot of other ways. So you were mentioning uh, dating and then kind of finding spaces that were queer friendly. How has that changed for you now?
1: Oh, <laughs> now I mean, um, almost all of my friends are queer or trans or both now. Um, and like, every I just feel like everything has really opened up for me in such a beautiful way. Like the relationships that I have are just so close and unique and beautiful. And um I'm really grateful for the friends that I have because I can go to them and say, Hey, I've been like wondering about this. Like, what do you think? Like, is this an experience that you have? Um, and really have that space to explore and, um, and just see like if there are other people that also have these thoughts. Um, and so the my mind frame really has changed around this. You know, when I, initially started exploring it was more of like I need to find the answer of you know who I am basically and you know these different aspects of myself and now the way that I think about it is that I am on a journey for life of exploring myself Mm -hmm. and all the different ways and methods that that can take
0: i think that's such a beautiful way to approach our self-discovery and identity right that we're constantly learning and growing and shifting as humans Mm -hmm. uh you know i think we live in a society where we're often expected to know things right away, right? Like when we're little and they ask us, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we like literally have like no life experience, no connection to things. And we're expected to know something, right? Like, and the ideal answer is always like, I want to be a doctor, you know, I want to be a lawyer. Uh, But we're never really given an opportunity to say, like, I actually really have an interest in that, right? We're kind of told. Uh, So I think that's a very beautiful philosophy you just shared right around, opening, uh, and creating space for ourselves to know that this is a lifelong journey, uh, and, that it's Mm -hmm. not about when you start to explore or how you start to explore, but really the intention behind it, right. Which is giving ourselves the gift of being us, of showing up, of learning about ourselves, not from what others have told us, but from us ourselves.
1: Right, exactly. And another part of this process for me was uh, I kind of had to, you know, let go of or release Mm. attraction to cis men so Mm. that I could really deepen um, my connection to myself and who I am. Because there are so many things that people are told that they have to do in order to attract other people. Right. And looking at it in a very cis kind of normative way, women have to be a certain way for men to be attracted to them. And if not, then you're never going to get a man. Right. And all these Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. So once I was able to let go of that, then I was able to really look into myself and see who I am. So it was like, you know, I was letting go of that. I'm like, all right, yes, like, I really am attracted to people that are not men. Mm-hmm. And and then the next evolution of that was, oh, actually, I think I'm trans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and and seeing how a lot of the things that I did before were really performative and trying to play this role of being a woman. And so... Yeah, that time that we had um during the lockdown and and really having more time and space. Um I was able to explore that a lot more and and I'm like so glad that I've gotten to know myself so much better and it's it still feels like a process because I'm still kind of figuring out like how mask I want to dress, or how femme I want to dress, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. and figuring out like, and that's, The answer to that is different on different days (laughs) you know
0: yes yes Um, i love that because i'm the same way you know exploring like with gender but also expression i i found that to be the best Mm -hmm. way to do this right is to allow myself to to really feel the day like how am i feeling today and there have been days where i'm like you know what i don't want to wear makeup today i want to look a certain way i'm gonna let my facial hair grow a little bit i want to wear this and then other moments where i'm like you know what i really want to Put myself together in this way today and i'm putting on makeup and trying on different color lipsticks and mm-hmm. trying on clothes that's considered more feminine but i love it and i think this is also an important part of this conversation because many times like you were saying folks feel this need to know things right like i need to know whether i'm aligned to this or that and we get stuck in the binary system right. again right where it's either i'm more femme or i'm more mask, instead of allowing ourselves to just yeah. be who we are uh, without feeling the restraint, right? Uh, uh Constrictions of gender norms, uh, which does play a big role for all of us, right? Regardless of how we identify, because we live in a world where these things are presented, pushed down on us, and they're the accepted norm, so.
1: Right, and you know, it's a lot easier when you can fit into that norm, right? Like yes. you're able to kind of like go through life without having to consider these different things. Um, mm-hmm. And now It provides a safety, right? A safety A hundred percent Yeah, mm-hmm. and so Now that I'm identifying as non-binary It's like, well I'm in this in-between space And I'm having to, like, kind of Explain things a lot, right? Like, even with they-them pronouns People are like, what? Like, how do you use that? Or, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like You, you already use it <laughs> Like, <laughs> exactly. in Exactly <laughs> um so yeah it's really interesting seeing how you know the more people i interact with the more people that have to kind of unlearn some things that they Mm -hmm. have been told their Mm -hmm. whole lives in order for them Mm -hmm. to understand me better
0: absolutely and i think that that is one of the bittersweet at least for me bittersweet aspects of this is uh the joy and freedom of feeling myself and existing as myself, the sweetness, but then also the bitterness is really not being understood by many people, and sometimes feeling a little bit lonely or disconnected from uh, yeah. folks or othered uh, when it, you know, when it's not queer spaces or when it's not. Uh, accepted right that i can share where i'm at versus this is no this is the label right this is what you're supposed to be and i i do experience that a lot myself now where folks often try to place an identity on me like oh i think you're transgender or i think you're this because you know you you feel this way and i try to explain to them you know for me it's really more about being free and i i do feel these Mm -hmm. energies within me and at the same time i don't feel the need to select one or conform to the other, uh, that for me, it's really around the beauty of existing being human, but also knowing that I, I do feel uh, this presence of energies within my own body and myself. Uh, and that is a very personal process, right? And if I did come to a conclusion that I, I identify as trans, and that would be a beautiful extension of my journey. And yet, a lot of mm-hmm. folks try to push it on you right away, right? And I think that's the the challenging part. We're so, so centered around um, labeling but also putting people in boxes and i think for yes, me that's
1: categories.
0: category yes and i think for me that's one of the things i love about queerness and why i you know i i uh, really gravitate towards that that experience um you know, I didn't actually start identifying as queer or even really connecting to it until about two to three years ago during the pandemic as well. I know you shared about that <laughs> time. We all had, I think we all had to do a little internal work, right? Because we were just yeah. sitting there trying to, you know, figure out life. And for me, uh, that, those were the two pivotal years where I started to really sit with myself and be like, am I happy? Like, because I, I haven't felt happy in how I'm showing up to different spaces, whether it's work, whether it's with my friends, whether it's with my partner. And I started to really question like, what has been the thing for me that has been a constant? And it was always feeling like I couldn't be myself. Like I had been shamed and I had internalized so much oppression within myself around who I was. Uh, that I didn't allow myself to exist. You know, even those moments where I felt very feminine and wanted to express myself, this automatic shame set in around like, that's not right. You're not supposed to be feeling that way or mm. thinking that way. And it's even powerful. though I did identify as gay and I was starting to do this work, I had to still really look inside and and unpack a lot of shit that I had kind of uh, jam packed in there because it, I didn't have time to explore it. I didn't have opportunity, I didn't feel safe. Um, and also mm. the shame of not having done it earlier and seeing so many younger folks, which I love. I absolutely love now seeing them on TikTok, seeing them on social media, being queer, being loud, being proud, you know, exploring. But that wasn't something that I had an opportunity to do. It wasn't a gift right. that I received um, early on in my life. And so it definitely was a lot of moments where I think there was confusion, there was anger, there was resentment. And during that time, I was like, I need to start to really, really give myself permission to be because I, I don't feel happiness. I feel like I'm still stuck in this space where I'm being told to tone it down, to not mm. be seen. And it was survival, right? Survival more uh-huh. like you were saying. We f- ex- we fall into those uh into that safety of being you know if I align with more heteronormative more more societal norms then I will be safe and that was for me my mission was safety and then in those two years you know I had already built my career I had a really strong relationship with my partner I do have a strong relationship with my partner um I had a lot of the things that I had worked really hard for and it was like okay like now this is where I, I need to slow down because I'm no longer surviving. I don't depend on my parents. I don't depend on go having to go to church or any of these other things that I experienced in my younger years. So now it's my time. And it, and that first moment it was like, oh my God, I get to be me. And it was like, where do I start? And that's why I really love this conversation because I think it's 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 it it can be really um, lonely sometimes to to come into this uh, this acceptance or even willingness to explore uh and it can be scary
1: yeah and that's why my friends are such a safe haven for me because like i've mm-hmm. been able to be open with them about all of these different things that are coming up for me and gaining more and more queer and trans friends as i'm mm-hmm. going along you know and um Lex, the app actually helped with that because i was able mm-hmm. to connect with other queer and trans folks through mm-hmm. that. Um, and so I have made friends through it and it's been awesome.
0: <laughs> That's great because community is so important. You know, I, I, everything you just shared right now around uh, feeling safe, right, and, and creating safety for ourselves. It includes being surrounded by people that love us, but that we love and we can feel uh, an opportunity to be held, right? Um, and that takes time. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, I mean, it definitely is part of the identity process, right? When we start to really connect and align with people and create space for folks that do uh, share that same, uh, connection with us versus having to feel like we need to fit in with other folks who don't, uh, or trying to put ourselves in those squares, right? You were mentioning even the attraction to cis men, uh, you know, for me, I think it was very similar. Like I felt this need, like as a gay man, like this is what I need to be attracted to or look towards or ideals, and then letting go of that to now where I see humans, right? And for me, it's really about connection. (laughs) I think that there can be a lot of vulnerability, love, compassion, uh, you know uh everything right pleasure with folks in general uh but it took a lot it took a lot of having to really sit with my own biases a lot of the beliefs that i didn't really believe but that i was told to believe and that i i brought with me uh and so i mean it it is its own process within itself and i think once you start to find that you do find folks you know who are able to also sit there with you and and you really you i mean it's it's such a beautiful thing right to have those authentic relationships those vulnerable relationships Mm -hmm. um and i i I, like i said i do see so much shift now going on uh it is more visible uh younger the younger generation is definitely at the head of of really showcasing queerness and and identity and being more vocal about their own Mm -hmm. needs right and their own identity um You know, it's something that was crossing my head right now and it kind of like slipped away, but I I was thinking about, um, oh my gosh, I literally just had it at the tip of my tongue and and it had to do a lot with what's going on right now in the country with with all the anti-trans and you know uh bills but also laws and rhetoric mm-hmm. uh, i mean it's not new but it's definitely more prevalent right now in the last few months or even the last year oh. and uh, you know that also affects a lot of people's ability to be able to explore and express themselves right because they're hearing this other pushback right around um uh, around I mean, just existing, right? I mean, it is life-threatening, right? When we right. hear these these things show up over and over, we're basically getting a message saying, it's not okay, you're not safe, we don't want you.
1: Exactly. Um, and, you know, I wonder if part of the reason why this is coming out so heavily now is because of how strongly us trans folks are out there and out and proud, you know? And it's kind of like then they're like, oh, you guys are... You know doing too much so now we're gonna enact all of these things to try to push you down again so that you're out of sight um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we can't allow for that we have to fight back um mm-hmm. and yeah it's it's really sad and you know it gets to me sometimes but it's like we have to keep fighting and and we have to you know stay strong in our communities and be there mm-hmm. for one another
0: Mm -hmm. and we and that's the beautiful thing about the community is that it 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 is not a new thing right this has been like years Mm -hmm. and years and years right and we've seen progress we've seen movement and thank you for saying that because that actually reminded me of what i had at the tip of my tongue which is the Mm -hmm. fact that trans and non-binary folks have been at the forefront of the queer movement from the beginning right there is no gay movement or any of these other things that we we have now gay marriage all this other stuff without really acknowledging that trans and non-binary folks were the ones that were really pushing and showing the world that we do not fit into boxes that there are Folks right. who do not align with this status quo, with these belief systems mm-hmm. that do just do not fit. And it's not out of out of of rejection or even rebellion. It is out of reality, of out of our existence that we do not align with it. And it does not fit. And you know, and we do live in a world that is not design or even existing in a way that's welcoming and allowing for the diversity of humans that is a very real thing and so Mm -hmm. thank you for saying that because i just kept thinking that was what it was the tip of my tongue was how we uh, you know trans and non-binary folks have been the warriors for the queer movement have been the ones that have had to get a lot of the slack, a lot of the attacks, uh, because even when I think of being gay and as a man, I I have to acknowledge my privilege that I, even though I am, I'm really in in this space of exploring my gender and I do identify as gender fluid, that I still present as as male, right, physically, and also being gay uh in terms of the queer community and the lgbtq plus community as a whole we know that gay men experience a lot more privilege i mean specifically white gay men, but gay men in general, right? Experience privilege to some degree. And that is something we have to acknowledge that all of those rights, everything that we have is not just because of us. It has been literally a collaboration amongst queers and the community in moving us forward, uh, you know? And so I I, I have another episode where I've talked a little bit about my frustration towards the idea of masculinity and especially (laughs) heteronormative practices within the gay community. And I'll probably be talking about that more in other episodes but i just wanted to bring that back in here because i don't you know these things are not isolated right they're interconnected and they definitely impact all our existence because like you were saying, a lot of the survival stuff and safety stuff is aligning with these things. And gay men do that a lot, align very much with heteronormative standards. And there is a sense of safety there. And that's understandable. And yet it's also detrimental because then we get folks who are, you know, speaking up on being anti-trans and anti-non-binary, right? And really wanting to remove the T from LGBTQ. And they're Mm -hmm. within our community. And it really sucks because they, you know, they don't acknowledge that, they're, you know, this is, we're not where we're at and they're not benefiting from these privileges just because it came from a lot of the warriors that were really fighting for these rights and were showing up and getting, you know, the fucking shit end of this and it's still happening. So I think that's yeah. why it's so important what you just right. said that we the fight continues and I have so much love for, our, you know, our trans siblings and non-binary siblings because they really are the ones showing us that it's okay to exist even beyond just fucking sex like it's not just sexuality (laughs) that there's more to it they're showing us that there's more there's more possibilities it's not just the binary again of gay straight bi straight you know lesbian straight whatever Mm -hmm. it's really like you can be those things sexually and also you can be a whole human being right you can be a whole person and i think that's beautiful
1: yeah for sure i mean even that idea of boxes i like So I'm a mentor in a trans mentorship program. And we did, my mentee and I worked together to do like a fashion workshop to, you know, talk about how you can change up your clothing um, and, you know, try to do it on the cheap.
0: I I (laughs) Uh, love that.
1: We need that. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things, you know, that we talked about was that being trans we're already on the outside of so many boxes so it's like don't try to like corral yourself in to fitting something just let yourself be free and try different things and you know allow for what you want to look like to change that you don't have to stay the same in terms of your style, or in terms of how you have your hair, or if you do makeup or not. Let yourself be free with all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that is much needed. And I hope the folks out there that are listening to this uh, take that away the most, right? That it's not about how we're we have to fit in. I understand survival. I understand how, you know, it it does help us in situations. But when you are exploring and you are discovering yourself to give yourself permission, to really follow your heart right this is one of those things where it's not about logic it's really around where does my heart say what is my heart saying to me and where is it taking me Mm -hmm. in terms of who i am as a person uh you know and i'm so happy that you're doing that kind of group that you're supporting folks in that realm because that is another big piece of this right is really how we're expressing ourselves right it's not so much the identity and the internal work but it's also the out the external right the uh, the out part Mm -hmm. of us and how we're showing up Right? I know for me, a big part of my transformation was my the way I presented. That I spent mm-hmm. so much of my life dressing up and aligning with colors, with styles, with things that I was told were appropriate for me, that I hated, absolutely hated, and never felt right. comfortable in, and had to show up that way in all of the spaces I was in, until I finally realized, like, no, that this is not how I need, to, how I have to show up. I can show up. Mm-hmm. how I want to show up and still bring so many wonderful things to the table still bring my knowledge my experience my story my my education you know my work and be able to have value within it. Uh, And that was a big part of why I actually went into private practice uh, was because I was really exhausted from having to fit into squares and into check marks that people were putting me in professionally and all these other things that one day I was like, this is another part of that healing process. Uh, And I know that I've been very privileged in that. And I have so much gratitude for this opportunity because it's given me a chance to show up the way that I want to. You know, sometimes I'll go into my sessions and I have a head, flower headdress, and my clients are like, oh my God, you look so amazing. And they're like, you know, I've always wanted to. I'm like, why, why, let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about yeah. how you want to wear flowers and feel beautiful, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and it's such an important part because it's the one thing that we, we have control over, I think, a lot of times uh, in, in terms of how we spend our money, how we want to uh, present ourselves, right, the colors, the clothing we want to wear. Uh, you know, I was someone that never wore bright colors and here I am wearing this yellow sweatshirt <laughs> and I love it and it makes me smile. And I think,
1: shit, I never
0: wore it because I thought it was too feminine, because I thought it was like a color that i didn't wear and it's also a crop top sweater so that's the other you know (laughs) i mean i am all into but but my point is like these were things that i wouldn't have said five eight years ago i'm not wearing Mm -hmm. i would never wear that even though inside i was like oh my gosh i freaking love it i want to wear that and so i i think what you just said was very perfectly said and beautiful right that when you are going through this process and exploring not to let ourselves feel like we need to be stuck to those constraints um Mm -hmm. you know and also you mentioned the affordable affordable part and i was giggling because i was like in this economy yes we need to find things that are not just feasible to wear but also like you know within budget because it expensive and that's something that comes up for me with a lot of my clients (laughs) i'm like let's talk about thrift stores
1: (laughs) exactly thrift stores clothing swaps like it's so expensive to have been dressing a certain way for so many years and now you're wanting to explore these other avenues and it's like damn like now that means i have to buy a lot of clothes but no thrift stores clothing swaps like clothing swaps really are the best Mm -hmm. um also buy nothing are amazing for that too Mm -hmm. because people will give clothes away on there like yeah
0: yeah absolutely absolutely it's you know i think that was one of my first things too was like okay now i gotta throw away all my clothes and buy all this clothes and i was like no no no, let's slow (laughs) down there's some pieces that still you know still work how can i add this to something new right and feel good about it Mm uh And so it's also a big part, right, of of, I think when you come in late bloomer and you're trying to figure out, like, how do I want to show up now, right, that's different from the way I had been. And so, I mean, we got to talk about it, right, the money part, the time, Mm -hmm. the energy it takes, the also uh, uh, hit and misses, right? Because sometimes you get something, you're like, I think I'm going to love this. And you're like, no, this is definitely not (laughs) me. And so you got to go back, you know, so it's a process. I did that with makeup. When I started exploring, I I (laughs) remember buying, like, all the lipsticks at a store and spending so much money and thinking, okay, this is for me. And then going home and being like, okay, yeah, this is not my color. This is not my (laughs) color. This is... And the great thing was that a lot of them have really great uh, return policies. And so I remember thinking, like, okay, I got to return this because I am not going (laughs) to stay with, like... 30 lipsticks and only three shades actually feel good to me and i have like all these other ones i'm like you know what no so it's it's a it's a big part of that as well right is finding ourselves um and obviously uh, i think the beautiful thing about queerness too is that there is no way to look queer you know quote unquote like i mean it there is no uh you know we don't all have to wear or dress or look a certain way it's really mm-hmm. more about identity and individuality i think the the big point of what i'm saying is how do we give ourselves permission to finally question engage and nurture that part of how we want to Mm -hmm. look how we want to decorate and honor our bodies
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, when I think back about my relationships, like I always wanted to wear their clothes, like their clothes or <laughs> their accessories. Like mm-hmm. I just, I'm like, oh, like I want to wear your things. <laughs> like, can I just think your clothing? <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that makes you know
0: <laughs> it does it does with me it was so funny because it was with my girlfriends like always wanting to wear their shoes and they would totally be like yeah put them on How do you? Mm. and we'd be like standing in the mirror they'd be like oh my god your legs are so nice they're nicer than mine and we'd be giggling and like laughing and that was stuff that you <laughs> normally do as a kid right that you explore but because of the system yeah. that we live right. in in society and also culture mm-hmm. we don't get to do that i i can't even like fathom thinking back uh to my childhood if i had been caught exploring or playing around with that. Like, I I think I probably would have been sent to, you know, some sort of camp or something. I mean, I was born in a very religious home. And so that came later on for me, right? The play, the (laughs) fantasy, the feeling cute, right? And giggling with with friends. I mean, that came like way later, uh, you know, at a time where there was a little bit of grief too, right? Acknowledging that, wow, this could have been something (laughs) that I could have played around with, Um, you know? And I was also a preschool teacher For a long time before that and that was something that came up a lot with my parents whenever the kids uh were in my class and they were playing in the kitchen or playing with dolls parents would get so upset and i worked primarily uh with latino latinx parents and There was so much of that. They're gonna be, they're gonna be confused. They're gonna turn trans. They're gonna be gay. A lot of disconnection, right, between like gender norms and um, and the reality, right, of of play and fantasy, and Mm -hmm. a lot of projecting of their own ideas, insecurities, and misinformation right onto their kids and. For me, I think that was something that was reminding, I, it came up to me right now because I was remind, reminding myself of how much that impacted me, having to sit with parents sometimes and you know, almost feeling like it was back to my own childhood with my parents and trying to explain to them and them being so strong held right on these beliefs of like, no, this is what's gonna confuse my child uh, and not really seeing the benefit, right, of allowing their kids to engage in play and fantasy. And so, I mean, this is stuff that we as adults right uh carrie like i said right that's why that right. process of unlearning and unpacking comes into play but i i just thought yeah. about that and you know really really uh, brought up a lot of uh, i think feelings about uh how we do this for, right from the beginning and how that's why we have so many late bloomers right that don't mm-hmm. get to do this until later on yeah and right
1: yeah. and even that idea that like playing in the kitchen is going to confuse a kid Mm. and you know and it's like okay if this binary is so quote-unquote natural (laughs) then how is a kitchen set going to confuse them and completely derail this thing that's so
0: natural (laughs) and it doesn't no it doesn't make sense and i think that that's what you're what i'm hearing right from you and also for me it's like it's it doesn't make sense and you know not only that but the fact that we all have kitchens most of us have kitchens where we live or we do some (laughs) type of cooking Oh, we have to go somewhere where people cook we don't we don't sit there and go i saw a man cooking at the diner and so now i'm confused right because men shouldn't cook i mean it's, it's not we accept it i mean we even know that men are generally the cooks and yet a lot of these beliefs we kind of just hold on because we have this fear right i think a lot of our parents and adults uh, often have a fear of of thinking that in some way you know this is something that's caused right and then we go through that whole like natural versus like learn kind of thing and a lot of parents really believe that if i coddle my child too much if i let them cook in the kitchen if i let them like the color pink they will be so confused and it reminds me of how fucking fragile like you were just saying how fragile that shit is that it can break so Mm -hmm. easily if a kid likes pink that's the belief right that it's so that then then how is that so natural (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. exactly yeah definitely Mm -hmm. it's really frustrating Mm -hmm. um that you know this is the the popular belief and especially that part that you were saying of like if i coddle my child too much then that's Mm -hmm. going to like make them gay or (laughs) and it's like really like showing your child love Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. accepting them as Mm -hmm. they are is going to turn Mm -hmm. them a certain way no like you'll just get Mm -hmm. to actually see who your kid is sooner
0: exactly and it does a disservice it does a disservice to all of us mm-hmm. right when we just feel like we can't even love our kids especially for men right? i can't even love my child this way yep. because it'll confuse them or or they'll be too soft or some shit like that and i get it you know we live in a world that's definitely not welcoming that i i, I think we can all say that we've had very hard moments or difficult transitions or changes or things that we go through and at the same time it it's it just You know, I mean, it it prevents us from having those relationships that we really want, that we crave. And it's why so many of us, right, struggle, not just queer folks, uh, I mean, cisgender folks as well, right, with the same shit in different ways. (laughs) You know, obviously they have a privilege in certain ways, but also it's still not to their advantage. You know, they're sitting there thinking that they need to behave and act a certain way. And even with their kids, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, holding on to these beliefs and these fears, and it it disconnects us, right, as humans. Mm Um, so I know we're coming to the end of our time together, but I did want to ask if there anything that you would like to say to any late bloomer queer out there, any, any sibling of ours that is starting to explore, starting to come to terms with this part of themselves uh, and is on their journey right now
1: yeah i just want to say you are valid as you are and that this is a lifelong process and it's okay if you don't know yet and that this is just something that you're going to take time with and that's perfectly fine and acceptable and needed and the more that you get to know yourself the better
0: Beautiful, beautiful, thank you. I think that that is definitely needed and I hope those words are taken and uh, not just by folks who are on this journey, but also if a loved one or someone in your life is going through this process that you can also uh, you know, share this with them and practice this as well with yourself, right? Like you, we don't have to identify as queer to practice self-love, to appreciate ourselves, to give ourselves opportunities to exist. Uh, so this is for a message I think for everyone, it's timeless, but for those of you who are in this process of just coming to this place and exploring your queerness, then I think these are words that are very much uh, gonna be, uh, you know, the the uh, the foundation, right, for this process. Now, Aviela, is there any social media or how can people find you, learn more about about you or any books or anything that you want to share that people can go out and look uh, into. I am going to put these things in the description. So if you don't hear it or you're trying to write it down, don't worry about it. It will be on there. But I do want to give you a chance to just share with us.
1: Yeah, so my website is BIPOC Restorative Therapy LCSW.com. And it's uh, basically the same for my Instagram, although I'm not really <laughs> that uh, <laughs> um, I'm not up on it, you know, but yeah. it's there. It exists. Uh, BIPOC uh, Restorative Therapy, LCSW. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to the program that I mentor with. So it's called Salmon and Devorah, and I will give you mm. the, the website for that. Yes. Um, and so they accept mentees who are 13 to 23, 24. Um, and then when mentors can be, um, I'm not sure of the lower end for mentors, but you know, you can Mm -hmm. be above that age. So it's a really great program and provide training. Yeah. So it's like, you just have to be trans and you're Mm in
0: (laughs) that. No, that's perfect. We need these spaces. There's not a lot. So I'm glad that there are places where people can go, um, you know, and really align and connect with others and that there are the support certain groups like this right that can really help folks in their process Mm -hmm. so thank you so much for sharing that shout out to the group uh you know so i will be uh um sharing this info with everyone but i want to thank you again avio so much for being on here Uh, i would definitely be reaching out we have to get you back in here for another conversation (laughs) Uh, i love the wisdom i love the beautiful words you shared and to everyone out there who is listening thank you so much for joining and until next time